Five minute whisper time. Da- daddies are doing a podcast. Five minute, five minute whisper. For we're, just a few minutes, yeah, we'll be gonna, done in two seconds. We need a five minute yeah. quiet time. <laughs> okay. I love where your head's at, girl. I love it. You're focused. I like it. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Two and a half minutes of silence upstairs, and then we'll be done. <laughs> she can she can toot the horn upstairs. Okay. Okay. Cool. Not very loud. You should do you should do a daughter interview. We will do a daughter <laughs> interview sometime. Not tonight. This is what's happening right now. <laughs> Come on. Welcome to this year in review episode of the Canvas Casters podcast. And Marcus and I are excited to wrap up 2019 with a special highlight episode. Hey. It's it's a highlight, a year in review. So we wanted to give you guys kind of an insight. It is New Year's Eve. We are sitting down doing this right now uh, to kind of talk about all the things that have happened to this little podcast. I can't believe we're doing this on New Year's Eve. Right. We have come a long way. Uh, since September. Really just having an amazing time. But at the same time, let's take a moment to really assess what's happening right now. And what's happening right now is that Eddie and I are at my house on New Year's Eve. Yep. Recording this portion of the next episode of the podcast, the highlight episode. This is how obsessed we are. Right. This is a holiday. (laughs) All right. There is football on TV. There are apps and snacks all available, and here we are. Some zerts. Some zerts are here. Yes, we've got it all. Right. Uh, our wives, probably because they just don't want to be around us, um, have gone ahead and, and they, they headed out uh, to grab some food to bring back. And so we decided let's take this opportunity to uh, knock out some content. All honesty, we want to talk about just how amazing the last few months, months have been uh, for the podcast. When we sat down and said, hey, we talk a lot about Canvas what if we did a thing? And it has been an absolutely amazing ride uh, so far. And the ability that we've been able to have to to talk to people, to get to know folks uh, in the community. I think the crazy thing was, is that we knew that we wanted to wrap this around Canvas community members and people in that realm doing crazy things with Canvas and being able to express those stories and tell those stories audibly in this podcast form. I don't think it was in our minds that we would see this kind of support. There's a blog recapping episodes. Right. (laughs) What? And we're getting messages and DMs from people all over the world. This is something really cool that we're doing. We'd love to share. We are scheduling out episodes for 2020. And it's just insane stuff that we have going on. But there is a little inside baseball that has happened that we kind of want everybody to know about. Um, You know, we are the unofficial podcast, but we've gotten swag and we've gotten other things. So, Marcus, did you want to share maybe some thank yous? When we started this whole thing, we were concerned and worried about how you're going to how are we going to do a podcast about a learning management system that isn't a step-by-step tutorial. Right. Um, because that's not what we were wanting to do. And there's plenty of demand for that. And you can go to YouTube and find all of that. And you can go to the community and get all of those step-by-step uh, assistance from some of the gurus uh, worldwide. Um, but for us, we wanted to sort of look at it in a different way, take a different angle on it. And, and so that's what we've really enjoyed. Now, as far as you know, the giveaways and things, we have had such a blast 
getting a little bit of help with some swag, but then trying to come up with fun ways to interact with everybody out there, uh, listeners and folks that follow us on Twitter. Eddie and I spend a lot of time in cars uh, talking back and forth <laughs> on our way to work, you know, brainstorming what it is that we want to try to do because we know how important it is for us to not just exist, but to exist and interact with listeners and followers on social media. And so we've just had a blast doing that. Special thank you uh, to Becky Frost and Mark Booth, uh, both working at the Mothership. Right. Um, and, and we've been so lucky to be able to meet on a regular basis with them and talk to them about what we're trying to accomplish and, and how it looks. And it, it's just been an amazing experience so far. It would have been very easy for them to come in and say, nope, you don't. This is an unofficial thing. It's going to ruin our message. It's going to ruin branding. We're not quite sure. This has really nothing to do with what we want out there in the public when it comes to Canvas LMS. But they were like, keep right. it up. Keep doing what yep. you're doing. And they've really been supportive and in fact, to the point where transition right into uh, some really cool giveaways for you guys. So we're excited to continue that relationship. And there are so many big things coming up for 2020. And we have some news that we hopefully have news that we can share or not share at some point, some crazy things that are happening. But um, we're really excited that that they've allowed us to continue to do what we're doing without being the corporate overlord <laughs> and saying, uh, shut her down, fellas. Deep voice, <laughs> deep voice. And they didn't do that. They've been super helpful. And we definitely wanted to give a special shout out to them. They were kind of the push that led us to get Renee and Scott on our podcast, which was great. And we were really excited to, to have some people actually talk about the community that were involved in running the mothership. That's been insane and crazy to even think about the level of support we've gotten. So with that, we're going to jump right in where it all started with one of our favorite parts from episode one with Megan Tolan. I mean, obviously Canvas has grown and adapted and become better week after week, year after year. But I love being able to see how teachers have adapted using inside, like using the platform, right? So some of the things that I... I'll admit, when I first started using it, I was just using it for file sharing, having students do digital worksheets. That's all we knew. But seeing people create and share inside of Canvas widely, right, right. with Canvas Commons, I think that was a really big thing, um, being able to see what other people are doing and take it and steal ideas. Because that for me has been the big evolution is how teachers are being creative inside the system um, and how the system allows that, right? Because there are other LMS out there um, that don't allow for so much creativity. I think... Um, uh, when we talk about the change of education over time, and I, my experience isn't very long, I'll admit that, but my gut reaction to both of you is that we think that education is changing a lot and it really isn't. I'm This is my grad school perspective too. Like this is what we talk about all the time is that we are selling ed tech is this is awesome savior thing and it can be where we can do really awesome stuff and canvas allows us to do really cool activities with kids but we still are kind of stuck in our way so i think we see pockets of innovation and i can see teachers and maybe even buildings do really awesome things in canvas that are you know engaging and enhancing the learning and extending it outside the school day but on a day-to-day -day basis i really don't know if it's changed all that much if, i think we just still have a lot of room to grow when are you satisfied with that innovation 
motivation or growth to say, okay, we're finally getting to the point where we've reached that tipping point. Technology is always going to stay ahead of education, right? It's innovating way faster than we are. So we're just doing our best to keep up. So anything that we can do that obviously gets kids creating and helping them think and outside of the traditional space, that's what's exciting for me when we get there, when there's a lot of flexibility um, that we don't have right now. And that's just systems, right? Not necessarily because teachers don't want to offer that. I think that's when we'll we'll be there. Um, but then when we get there, it'll probably be something different, right? So I think the, the bar is always moving and that's what makes it so hard, but also so rewarding. Episode two features Paul Towers from across the pond. Now, Paul is the educational developer at the University of Wolverhampton in the UK. And in this episode, he talks about his origami creation and sharing that with his takeaways from CanvasCon 2019 in Barcelona. Such a rewarding job in being in any kind of form of education with Canvas and their community element. You know, the product's great. It does what it does on the t- it says on the tin, but the community element and the conference that I've just been at and bond and the friendship that we've developed over the years really shines through. And I, I don't think I, I, I'd ever want to change that. So we've talked a lot about the community and uh, some really great things. Mm-hmm. But as you, as you well know, um, we oftentimes get the most out of uh, the flops or the failures. Uh, so we all have those failing moments. And uh, we love hearing other people's failure moments because we figure um, that's something that you were able to learn from and probably listeners can learn from. So, Paul, what is what is your uh, failure moment in education? Um, oh, it's we're putting him on the couch. Marcus. Wait, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. On the couch. Um, don't have assumptions about anything. You know, test your market, work with the people. But there's been scenarios where you see you get emails that email after email from the same people that need the same help over and over again. And it can be the simple thing, the simplest functionality in Canvas to use, but there's something not quite clicking. Um, and it's, it's, it's bitten me a couple of times where I've assumed that maybe an academic should know what I'm trying to get at and they don't. But I think um, that can all be remedied though over a coffee and a piece of cake and uh, and uh, we can get through it. But yeah, there, there haven't been massive flops, if I'm really honest, which certainly with Canvas, um, but don't take anything um, as an assumption. And uh, that's probably my, my main bit of advice. That is really great sort of universal advice. Um, and, and I don't know who said it, but I've heard something similar that goes along the lines of just it related, assume the, assume the best mm. uh, from the people you're working with. And, and again, sort of hitting on what you've said, along with some things we've talked about today. Um, you know, sometimes you have that person where it's you're thinking we've gone through this or whatever. Mm. And um, it's probably best to assume the best yeah. um, as as to avoid you know, unnecessary confrontations or, or, or issues. And I, I just, I just think that's great advice for everybody. You just got back from Canvas Con. Yes. And it was a big deal, right? That's, that, is it a big conference? Because we're unfamiliar. We've never been. I think, I think, uh, well, so the previous Canvas Cons have been uh, uh, London focused. Um, so there was Natural History Museum and the Barbican last year. Uh, and this year they've they've taken it out on pretty much on the road, uh, which is really good. Barcelona, I've never been before. Beautiful place. The conference itself, the the ability to speak with everyone from you know Spanish to you know uh, Norwegian to Scandinavian to you know I think even there was a few people from um, Australia there. 
wow. which which is fantastic. I think about six hundred to seven hundred delegates, which was really good. The presentations were fantastic. Um, it gave us an opportunity as well to tell our story and how long we've had Canvas and the, the work that we've done and the training and the professional development, uh, and also hear other people's stories as well. And I think that's the key thing. The, the 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 sessions were good, but I think in between those times, the breakouts and the breaks and the lunch times and the lovely reception um, by the pool on the Monday night. You know, not the, mean to brag or anything. Um, <laughs> Sounds fantastic. It, it, it was really nice. It was a cracking venue. Those those opportunities build the relationships and those opportunities build the connections and and as you were saying earlier about sometimes you feel isolated being at those kind of events you know we're all trying to do the same job and we're all trying to get the be- the, the benefits out of our students and the benefits out of our staff and um it does it is it is really it's, it's great to be in that kind of environment with everyone else we couldn't believe that three episodes in, we'd have the Canvas Jedi, Kona Jones, on our show, but somehow we managed to pull it off. The current director of online learning at Richland Community College, Kona shared her passion for active learning and humanizing the online environment with Canvas. Well, and when people say like, well, you know, and they kind of say it to me as if I would agree with them, like, well, you know how, you know, you're not quite as connected with your online students. And I'm like, no, I actually don't know that because I'll be honest. I feel just as connected, if not more connected to my online students than sometimes with the face-to-face students, with the hybrid type students. Uh, And that's just because I have really just turned things around so much. Um, Like one of my big things is really feedback. Like for me, it's all about the feedback and not just giving feedback, but getting feedback. Because for me, you're kind of, how can students, how can you expect students to just take all of this feedback you're providing them? without you being willing to take feedback from them. And I actually, I ask my online students for feedback every week, every week at the end of the week, I'll have, you know, some kind of open question, you know, like how are things going? If we did a special project, you know, how was the project? And I ask them for feedback, whatever they say, they just automatically get their five points, which ends up being, you know, like a 2% out of the entire course grade, but you know, they get their five points, but then I go through and I read their feedback and I respond to every single one of them every single week. And for me, that means I'm making a personal connection with all of my online students every week, every week. And maybe it's just them saying, hey, things are great. No problem. And you know what? I say thank you for the feedback. I hope you have a great week this week. Sometimes they pour their heart out about how much they're not liking something or how something's not working. Or I just recently had one who was frustrated because, gosh darn it, um, class is actually still having things go on during Thanksgiving week. And uh, yeah, I know. The travesty. You know, we have face-to-face class, but you know, but so, but she told me, and you know what though, that's also the trust relationship. My students understand that they can trust me, that they can give me constructive feedback, and it's okay. Um, and you know what, I didn't take it wrong, and I explained to the student, you know, this is why. And in all honesty, if I gave you a little bit a bigger, you know, hall pass there for Thanksgiving week, you know, when you'd be making it up the week before finals. In the past, I've actually asked students, and you know what students have said, they would rather have a full week for Thanksgiving of you know of stuff than have to be doing extra the week before finals. And you know what she did? She came back and said, you know, thanks. I really appreciate you taking that time, you know, to explain that to me. Uh, I've had students give me feedback saying, you know, you give us multiple attempts on quizzes. Why don't you on homework? Um, Because I feel like with the quizzes, I'm able to really um, take my time and better learn and understand the material for the homework. I don't because I'm stressed because it's a one and done. And I'm like, well, you know what? I started to give like the line of, well, it's really not possible. uh, I do it in Canvas and it's statistics. So it just trust me. It was just 
it was hard, but as I'm getting ready to write this, I'm like, okay, that's kind of the BS answer because in all honesty, I could make it work. It would just suck to make it work. Like on my end, it would suck to make it work. And so I was honest and I said, you know what? It's not that I can't, it just would kind of suck, but I'm going to go ahead and try it for next week. And so I went and I completely redid the assignment, made it so there was multiple attempts and the feedback I got, not only from that student, but the rest of the class on how much they appreciated the multiple attempts, how much of a difference it made in their learning and their ability to learn the understand, understand that content. I was blown away and I said, okay, guys, you know, it sucked for me, but I'm going to go through and I'm going to do all the rest of the homeworks like that. And so, I mean, and that's feedback. If I hadn't gotten that feedback, I would have never been able to make that change. But that's now the relationship I have with my online students. Oh, Canada. Tweet everybody. Chris Giles from Beaverton, Oregon, joined the show for our halfway point. And with over 20,000 weekly Canvas users, Chris had a unique voice to share as an admin in a large district. Meaning I got to work with IT. I get to work with you know, I have a great relationship with our uh, chief technology officer and other colleagues. So from that point of view, when you're trying to con- convince or convey a message as to we should be using this product, I think starting with why, you've probably heard it a hundred times, starting with why. Uh, and I was not an expert with this. It's really quite honestly something I'm still learning. If I had to stand in front of some staff and say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to choose this tool. We went through, through an RFP. Uh, we're, we're going to use this tool. And the, the, the most obvious question will be, but why? I think coming from it from a point of view of, of we want to give our students the best student experience that they can receive. And in a K-12 experience, I feel like something that's similar through their entire tw- grade 12 or 12th grade progression is if, if I've been given a tool, a digital tool as a kindergarten, first grader, all the way up to 12th grade, help me interact with this tool. Help me become a learner. Help me be able to contribute. Help me do all these things as a student. And I think one of the best ways to sell the idea of an LMS is it's, a, it's something that will give our students a similar student experience. Last year, a person, who Jim Newton, the guy I work with, he's in IT, he made a statement. He goes, well, what is the Beaverton student experience? And I kind of, we all kind of looked at him. And, and basically from that, we kind of devised, you know, we give our students 6 through 12 of Chromebook. And we say, here you go. Well, if that's all we do... What is their experience going to be? It is going to be so vastly different amongst every class they visit, every school they visit. Now, on the, on the one hand, that's okay. I'm not saying that every student in school experience should be the exact same. If we're giving you a Chromebook to have an experience of learning, to be successful, what does that mean? And then this year, I felt like I'd taken a step further. And so under the umbrella of the student experience, well, how do we create a space where we have a similar student experience? So going back to your question, how do we help people kind of move towards getting an LMS? Well, I feel like let's give our, to- our students a tool that will help them have a similar student experience in the classrooms they visit and in the schools they move through so that we can help them be successful throughout their t- entire K-12 career. Because reality is, is when you graduate from high school and you choose to go to college or a technical school, you will encounter an LMS of some sort. So let's get you set up for living and breathing and working in a digital experience. After meeting with Kyle Bimefor after the Indiana Cannabis User Group meeting with me and Marcus, it was clear we had to have him on our show to share all the great things he was doing to facilitate that group. By the way, Kyle really loves the media recorder in Canvas. The biggest, the one, the biggest impact I see in our K-12 at Zionsville is the Canvas media recorder. We have, and, it, and it's, it's getting some of our users that typically would be gun-shy to use an LMS, to use it daily in our um, fine arts departments 
are using the media recorder all the time. So in our middle schools, our orchestra teacher, they'll go in and all the assessments are done where the kids are taking their violin and playing in front of their laptops and recording it. And so then he can go back and then give that same authentic feedback in the speed grader, whether it be typing it out or just using that media recorder himself and demonstrating, hey, the finger position uh, when you played last time was a little off. Make sure you do this. And even at our elementary levels, I, I, I still remember learning how to play the recorder in fourth grade and how fourth grade uh, music teachers are able to do that is beyond me what they get out of them in a year. But I had one of my fourth grade music teachers saying, you, you just gave me back a semester of instruction because when typically at the elementary level, they have to pull the kids out one at a time to listen to them in the hallway. And right. when you see when you see that class once a week, typically, that, that takes a little bit of time. And now those kids could do it at home on their own. They could practice it and do it till they get get it right. I mean, and one of the things in Scienceville is mastery learning and we're standards-based recording there as well. And so seeing it in the, the fine arts department, our phys, our, I mean, our, uh, some of our um, speech pathologists have started using it to, so that they could have the kids practice watching themselves speak uh, using the media recorder and outside of the limited time that they have with them. That's even beyond the, the gen ed classroom that's able to allow students to uh, share their thoughts using video. Our, we just had an E-Day last week, K-4, and it was cool to see some of our kindergartners responding. There's no way that they would be able to type out a response, but being uh, teaching them how to use the media recording, they could explain their thought processes uh, by recording in thin canvas, and then they could share that in a class discussion with everyone in class. About a week later from that interview, we did get a call that we may be in for a treat. Now, Canvas insiders were shuffling schedules, trying to get us our first Canvas HQ guest. And why not start with two people that have a critical role to play in the Canvas community? Besides, this is a Canvas LMS podcast built around all of those users. So after numerous scheduled arrangements, here's Renee and Scott discussing their roles in facilitating that group. See, that's what's so neat about this is that professional communities like this have always existed, but on smaller scales. Canvas or Instructure has committed to providing this platform to make it global and allow anyone in the world to help solve problems like this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So like 2011, June 2011, I learned about Canvas and I was at a certain other vendors co conference at the time and I found out about Canvas and I got on my computer, got on free for teacher, started looking at the guides. I was up until like two or three o'clock in the morning, which is really rare for me. And I went back to Washington I was in my house and my phone rang was a few days later. Uh, a man on the other end of the line says, I don't, you don't know me, but um, I've read all your questions you've been asking in the forums, and I thought it would be easier to Google stock you and find your landline number and just call you and give you the answer. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. He starts, he starts telling me, yeah, he starts telling me the answers. And after like an hour, 55 minutes, I said, you know, this is really helpful. I, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And he's saying, no, 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 wait, there's still two more questions that I haven't answered yet. And let me, let me help you. So he gives me the answers. I get off the phone and it just, it blew my mind. This guy is a LMS administrator in a little town in Texas. Doesn't know me from Adam. He's not a salesperson. He's not getting commission. He's not getting anything out of this other than we both happen to use the same software 
for that, he would spend hours of his life to help me. And that, that blew my mind. I tell that story because that's kind of one of the guiding principles behind the community. Like that's what we're shooting for every day is to help foster that kind of interaction between people. And another one was about three years ago. This man was a, he's a father and he came in the community and he, man, he was frustrated with the parent app. He was trying to use it. He was trying to figure out, you know, his kids grades and just having a horrible experience and mad people talked him down off the ledge and they, you know, I can't remember exactly what they had to do. They had to help him download a new version or something. But in the process of all this, this guy comments and says, uh, hey, uh, it looks like you're actually, if I, if I know where your kid goes to school, you're actually like two exits up the freeway from me right now. I will I'll drive up and I'll meet you at the Denny's that's there at your exit. And, uh, and we can figure out the app together. I'll show you how I use it. And that's like gold. You can't, you couldn't buy that. Now, someone who reached out to us very early to discuss the craziness that is Canvas blueprinting was a guy named Kevin Self. Now, Kevin is an OG who's been using and managing every LMS since the dawn of online student curriculum. So it was important to have him on to share that knowledge. Here's Kevin Self from Lawrence Central High School. When you go in and you're actually setting up your courses in, in Canvas, there is an option that's in the setup section that's called Blueprint. And basically what that is, is that you're creating almost like a template of the course content that you're wanting to use from multiple teachers and possibly even multiple schools. Lawrence Township, we have Lawrence Central and Lawrence North. And so there's teachers that are teaching the same content, not only within the same department, but also between the schools as well. And so what Blueprint allows you to do is it allows you to create content that every teacher that teaches, let's say, biology would be using. You create that, that template at that point, enter in everything that you want, and then you link that that template to every section with every single teacher. One of the things that it, it, it kind of refers back to is like how we cross list um, different sections within the, the actual teacher itself. What this does is it allows you to cross list with teachers that are teaching the same content and then push that material out to everybody. If you need to make a change, you make the change in the blueprint you click sync and it syncs it to everybody. I'm getting I think goosebumps. Marcus just had a physical reaction. <laughs> I'm, I'm legit. Like I'm sitting here going, oh, oh, oh yeah, get it. <laughs> well, dude, yeah. When you get Marcus to do yeah. that, you know you got something. That's all I'm saying. When he's like, woo. <laughs> yeah. So let's say that, that you have a collaboration that takes place and there is a problem on question number 47 of a test over genetics. I can go into that blueprint, make that correction on question number 47, sync it, and everybody that teaches that content has that correction made, which is, it's fantastic. Like with our summer school program, we do a virtual PE course, and we have 15 different sections of virtual PE that takes place during the summer. And we had a problem with one of the questions on, on a test that was, that was given. And it was, boy, do we have to go in and make all these changes to all 15 sections? 
in, in the past, that's what you had to do. But with the blueprint, all I had to do, go into that question on the blueprint, click sync, it pushed it out to all 15. It's, it, it's so fantastic. And it really offers, and with, with PLCs and those kind of things, that's where I think the, the real benefit is, is that you can work on that blueprint course in a, in a PLC time. And then once it's agreed upon, we can push that content out to everybody. The, the piece that makes it even better is that it doesn't limit changes that actually take place by an individual teacher either. So I can go in and I'm one of those six teachers that teaches biology. I can still add my own content that I want, but this is a almost like a roadmap for a teacher that that's set up by by a department or by a PLC or by by the school administration. We knew very early on that we wanted to finish out 2019 with an episode dedicated to a few power users in our district, those that lead the charge. It was perfect that they were both named Amanda. Here's Amanda Kitchell at Twin Lakes and Amanda Wilkerson at Central 9 to tell their Canvas LMS stories and how it impacts their classroom on a daily basis. The very first thing I think that you have to implement is the inbox, and you have to show students how to get a hold of you, right? Um, my kids both swim, and so they're part of the USA Swimming. They're gone, we are gone, right, mm-hmm. on the weekends, and it's incredibly important to me that I am accessible to my students after hours. It just, it, I, I don't think nowadays that you can allow not to be. Um, and so I don't like my, my, my student emails coming into my regular school emails um, because I'll get distracted. So I need to decide, you know, okay, I'm going to deal with student stuff right now. And so I absolutely make sure that they understand that inbox and, and that they know they can get a hold of me at any time. Um, and then the second thing that I use, and I just started using it this year, and I absolutely love it, are the modules. And the reason I love the modules so much is because you can embed everything right there. And so for me on a block schedule, it's beautiful. I can just arrange each module by date. So you can go ahead and do your red days, you know, and then you can also, if you're doing the settings and the importing canvas material, Mm -hmm. you duplicate it and you change the dates. So right now I am using it for my critical thinking class, which is a semester course. It's a senior course. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of different stuff that a lot of different um, methods, right, of content that we use. And I can embed my PowerPoint for the day, a video. Um, if I want that video to be part of Studio Canvas and right. you know have some feedback on that. Um, the discussion boards, everything can be right there. And what I love about it so much is, especially with seniors, if they're absent, they don't miss everything. Right. And they don't have to look in five different places, right? Which is what I used to have to have them do. Right. Yep. To understand where everything is. It's right there. As long as they know what day it is, <laughs> they can find, right, the assignment for the day and do hey, it. Hey, there it could be touch and go sometimes. And I know, and sometimes it is. And I'm thinking too, wow, for e-learning, how wonderful is this going to be? Because no longer do I have to give them, you know, a five page uh, directions Mm -hmm. of what I want them to do. And then you need to go to this assignment. It can all be in that one module. And you can set that um, for your homepage. So as soon as they get on, that's what they see. 
and yep. they know they're working through those modules step by step by step. Right. And that's actually something that I got from being a college student mm -hmm. because I took several online courses and one of them impl implemented those modules and that's how we did the course. Yeah. And it was it was lovely and I thought I'm going to learn how to do that. So yes. I finally have figured that out and can play around with it. It's incredibly easy to move things around. Well, I make sure that, you know, it allows me to put sort of my weekly thoughts. So for my class, they see things in a week view. So they have a more autonomous way of completing their assignments throughout the week. And so they're able to log in, see what they need to get accomplished, find out what's on their checklist, so to speak, um, what other announcements, everything can all be in one place. So that's where I put all of that residual information you might have on the board, you might have in a worksheet and put it all into my Canvas pages for the week. So they can always go back and reference it so that when they're out in the other softwares that we're using, they can always go back and find sort of that repository of data that they need to know, what do I need to turn in this week? What am I supposed to be learning? How am I supposed to go about doing that, et cetera? Well, I do try to keep it simple because I think for the sake of the students to always know what they're looking for, even as much as I do with it, I keep it simple. So simple, repetitive, and in a structure. So if I have everything by the week, so every week you know what you're looking at. So you have either by topic or by day, and you know I've worked out what works better. I think for me, by topic, topic works better, but I've noticed that for students, by the day works better. So I've morphed to make mine um, by the day for them. They wanna see on Monday, what are we doing on Tuesday? They like that regimen, but it looks the same all the time. So they know where to go and it's familiar. And I try not to overcomplicate it. So I make sure that everything, like I make pages that are kind of living, breathing documents as we go through what we're working on, as opposed to finding a worksheet or something that's out there that I just upload the PDF. And then I ask students to put their take on what it would be. So instead of filling out the worksheet, think about these problems and tell me your thoughts so that they're able to more than just checking off the boxes because I think they get too caught up into that. So I try to keep it simple, structured, and allow them to give me more than just filling in blanks because that allows them to sort of reach outside of their typical answers and their yes, no, true, false way they want. They want right. to give me those yeah. answers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It forces them to chat back with me because a lot of what they do is on the computer. That is our lab. And mm -hmm. so they're in there on the computer. They're doing their work on the computer. They need to have a way to conversate. That'll do it for the 2019 wrap-up show. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast thus far, and we can't wait to have an epic 2020. Until then, always remember, we don't work for Canvas. Canvas works for us.